Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Dun, 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 I, I, I just want to say, if you haven't seen it, uh, my good friends Andy and Aries are going to talk about it. Uh, the great HBO documentary three-parter and the pursuit of the perfect union. So everybody sit back, relax. This is probably going to be a two-parter, meaning this Wednesday will be the first hour and then next Wednesday will be the second. Because as you know, Aries Spears is very passionate about myself, Barack Hussein Obama. And Andy admits while I'm not his favorite president, uh, he likes me too. So without further ado, Let's get ready for the Obama Love Fest. And if you're a hater and you don't like me the way Aries does, uh, with all due respect, fuck you. Before we dive into this Harry Spears Obama love marathon, yeah, a uh, couple things. Uh, you were telling me something because we were on the phone and you had to get off because your mother. And my mom called. She's she's preparing for her colonoscopy. She's God damn. Yeah, she's getting one within two weeks of mine. Shit, you had me picturing your ass with a camera in it, and now you got me picturing your mother's ass with a camera in it. That's when I hug her, it's going to feel different. <laughs> uh, I can't wait till you see the new pictures hanging up in my house. It ain't pictures of your mother with the camera in the ass, is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's going to be a hell of an icebreaker. That's going to be a way to let people in on, on, uh, on, on the family. <laughs> Literally, yeah, in the, the family. In the family. This is my mom. <laughs> this is the inside shot. Oof. Um, couple things, man. I, I, I sent out a post. Uh, I was at the store, uh, this, this weekend. Look at you uh, going to the store. Yeah, man. And it was wild, dude, because, um, you know, I, and you should have seen me, man. I was like a kid on his first day at school with my best behavior. Every comic that came up to me and went, dude, Aerie Spears, you're fucking hilarious. Nigga. I was magic Johnson grinning from temple to temple. 
I mean, I, hey, how you doing? I shook every hand. I held a two-minute conversation. So I am very much so making the conscious effort to show that the asshole is gone. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's good because you know sometimes when I ask you about comics, you don't know you don't know a lot of the newer. And comics. I didn't know none of the motherfuckers that came up to me. Yeah, but they know you, so you should get to. It's nice when the community knows each other. Well, if if nothing else, I want them to be able to walk away with the story is being, yo, I met him. Yo, he's cool. He's not like that. So, like I said, I made a conscious effort. I even sent out a post because uh, I performed in the OR, but then they also, well, Don Barris showed up late, so they stuck me in the main room, too. Uh, but, of course, I was second to last because he was supposed to close, so just the stragglers were left. But I, I sent a post where I was in the hallway, the little area when you walk into the OR entrance, and I was saying, you know, and I was whispering because, you know, the comics were on stage. Not that they could hear me, but I just didn't want to be an asshole. So I'm going, yeah, man, it's been 20 years since I did this. And I was like, I go as far back as this guy. And then I panned the phone camera to my picture in the vest when I was 30 <laughs> pounds lighter. Um, and so I did that. And, and then uh, this one girl who was supposed to go up before me, who ended up, we switched places. I brought her up. As I was leaving, she's pulling out in her car. And she goes, you fucking annihilated that. You were great. And of course, I'm talking about doing the new joke that I was telling you about in the previous episode. And it did exactly what I knew it would do in the comedy store versus the Laugh Factory. And I did it again last night at the Laugh Factory because I only had one spot. But instead of going right into it, I gave a a pre-joke or a pre-lecture on, look, man, if y'all are 20 and you're part of the woke crowd, Knock it the fuck off. Uh, and I said, and I even stole my line that you liked. when I And I said, good, con- I'm old school. I'm 46. I'm from that Carlin Pryor, Murphy, Rock, Chappelle era. Good comedy is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, challenge you. It's supposed to make you laugh, but keep you on the edge of your seat. So please surrender to the good time. Yeah. And that got like a reaction. I said, surrender to the good time. Life is too serious to take comedy serious. Yeah. And then I went into it and it, it did better, uh, but you could still feel the uncomfortability, but it did better. Well, yeah, you know, I'm working this weekend in uh, Tempe with uh, uh, Annie, Annie Letterman. You, do you know Annie? Mm-mm. She's very funny. She's a, she's a, she's a store comic. She was, she started in New York. Um, very funny, but doesn't subscribe to that political correctness either. And she's a younger, she's younger than, than you, uh, comic. So she falls into a different category and she, uh, you know, I, I can see what the crowd is completely on her side and she has, she has, I mean, she sells tickets. So she has tons of fans there, but even her own fans can get a little, you know, tight when there's those certain jokes. But right. I mean, she doesn't stop. I, and I and I and I was I, I listened. I haven't worked with her in over five years. And I was just like, damn, man, you're uh, she's she's doing it was great. It was great to hear someone uh, do that kind of comedy uh, the way she presented it. So, yeah, you know, there's a market out there, like you said. And I, you know, sometimes I, I, I we we both agree and disagree on certain things. But 
I didn't fight you on that. There's a market out there. I just didn't. I, I always felt like I, I needed some more uh, uh, credibility to be able to fight that market. And, you know, you got to stay true to yourself. That's all it is. And uh, you're right. You just got to you, you got to do what you got to do who you are. So more power to you. And I hope that keeps going well out there that way. Yeah, man. Um, so this is where I'm rubbing my palms together. Uh, like Dave Chappelle did in uh, The Age of Spin, his Netflix special when he rubbed his hands again and goes, all right, set him up, let's play. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about this Obama thing. You saw it, right? I saw it. All three episodes? All three episodes. All right. To, to, to the people that listen to this, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast if you're a new listener. Uh, as I always say, please start from episode one and go in order. It matters comedically. It matters for callbacks. It matters to understand the growth of who we are as the main characters in this play. I had a dude hit me up on Instagram and was like, man, I just started listening. Blah, blah, blah. This is funny. That's funny. I said, dude, but you got to go from the beginning. Otherwise, contextually, certain jokes and things just won't make sense. So if you're new to the podcast, please don't listen out of order. I know the desire is to because you look at all these episodes and you go, God damn. You don't want to start from the beginning because it's a lot, but I guarantee you it'll it'll you'll be better for it. Um, there's a documentary, folks, three part on HBO called Obama and the Pursuit of the Perfect Union. A more perfect union. A more perfect union. It's very important that you say that. Yes. Uh, and I love this fucking thing, not just for the reasons that I love the man himself, but he. And other guys like Tanishi Coates, who's awesome, uh, Eric Dyson, even though I got to and, and I love and I got this in my notes. I love me some Eric Dyson and I love Professor Cornell West. But I think it was episode part two. I really got a serious bone to pick with Eric Dyson because he did something that really pissed me off. Um, but a lot of these guys said things. And I don't remember the, the the exact episode it was um, where I went on that, on that Obama rant. But they said a lot of things that I already said and reiterated, which is why I have such a fight with some of the people, black people, who say, what did Obama do for us? And, and for those of you who listen to this, I apologize if you're going to hear some of the same shit. But some of the same shit needs to be repeated Uh to the point of this of this documentary. Um, let me get to my notes here. First things first, uh, when they started off with, of course, the first part was from Obama's childhood up to the point. Um, motherfucker was a chunky nigga. He was yeah, a chunky he was, kid. Well, he was, he was full-sized. Yeah, man, he was a chunky little boy. Uh, you know, he eventually lost all the baby fat and turn into the lean machine that he was, but he was a chunky motherfucker. And, you know, it's funny because when the, when the one black girl was like, I was the only other black student in the same class as him in Hawaii, and when they, of course, show the school picture, it's him and a black girl. And they both talked about being teased as a kid racially. Uh, and I don't know if this applies to you because even though you were a, a, a white Jewish kid, I don't know that kids can tell one white ethnicity from another. Like a, what's a Jew versus a Polish or a Polish versus an Italian. 
y'all all are white. So I was going to ask you as a kid, had you ever been teased racially? Because I know coming up as a kid, I was teased, but never racially. No, I, I don't think I was teased racially. I, I, because I grew up in the household that I did, I had a lot of more Hispanic traits. Not necessarily looked Hispanic, but you know, I <laughs> brought tortillas to school. I just things that other white kids didn't do. But I was never teased for it because kids are generally t- kids that are not uh, fucked with by their parents are generally curious more so mm. than. What do you mean by not fucked with by their parents? You know, if, if their parents aren't saying racist shit at home, mm. you know, when they come to school and they see someone eating something out of a tortilla, it's different than, you know, that they're looking at it. What is that? You know? And then you know right. you explain it. Then they go home and they tell their parents, and they, then they say racist shit. And then they come back, and then they don't like your tortilla anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it, you know what I mean, though. I think generally kids, like they say, kid, we're not born with racism. We're born, uh, we're born curious. We we want to see what what's up. So I didn't, I, I never experienced uh, it that way when I was younger. No. So if a kid is born, or if a kid is as he grows up in a household. That is, you know, they got racist parents saying wild shit. Then I, that might make them come to school and be that way. Yeah. Then, then, okay, they, then they take that on. And, and I should, and I, I shouldn't use the word completely racist. I mean, people have bigoted views, and it's they're not necessarily full blown racist. They might have some bigoted views. They have some <laughs> ideas. So uh, let me, let me, let me, let me curtail that a little bit for this because I think we're going to get into some things where I, I want to, I, I want to. I want to ride that line of between bigotry and racism sometimes throughout this special. You know, and again, I make no bones about it. I, 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 for so many reasons, I've had a man crush on Obama. But one thing that you can, one of the many things that I think made him so palatable to people was that, you know, when you talk about Jordan, people go, Jordan had no weaknesses. Everybody, every part of his game was solid. Now, I, don't, I won't say that Obama had no weaknesses because after watching this, I will admit he made some mistakes. Before, I was like, this nigga's perfect. But no, he made some mistakes. And, and I'll get into that later. But in terms of when they made the point, Obama, and he even acknowledged it, his presidency wouldn't have been possible had it not been for Sharpton running, for... uh uh. Jesse Jackson running from Shirley Chisholm, if that's her name, running. I forget the other black woman who ran, but it took all of them running and failing. And and obviously, I think when you deal with years earlier, just like racism played a part in Obama's run. But by the time it got to Obama, the alcohol was diluted. It wasn't as strong as it was, meaning back in the back in in the days of Shirley Chisholm, and 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 uh, uh, Jesse uh, Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and the other black lady, white America just wasn't ready for that for the Hennessy to be that strong. It had to be diluted, and he gave credit for that. But when you look at his total makeup, the oratory skills, the articulation, the 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 intelligence, the level of intelligence, the the the. The fact that he wasn't, and I and I do think this matters, he wasn't too dark. His smile, his good looks, 
all of that was easy for white America to swallow. Like this nigga was so smooth and had a way of being able to suck you in just because he was so palatable. You know what I mean? Like, like when he says to the, to the, he was talking about the one Harvard professor who, who looked like, kind of looked like Herman Cain, dark skin, older gentleman, yeah. salt and pepper hair. And he goes, uh, you know, he, he didn't just get there on his good looks and charm, even though he had plenty of both. And everybody laughed. Like he just had a way of making you Eddie, in the room Eddie. feel at ease, special. And even if you didn't know him and you didn't want to like him, by the time he spoke and said some of the things he said, you went, I like this nigga. That's a hell of a talent, man. But listen, I, I don't want to get too caught up in this uh, this early, but skin color. You said it made white people these. But as you watch this documentary, you can see the difficulty that he had reaching some of the black community because of that, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, even though he was able to put a group at ease, it would also open up a different doorway of, of uneasiness for him. So he did have a lot to navigate. Um, the constant uh, through line that, that Sharpton mentioned, black people said he ain't black enough. He didn't. T- he talked funny. Right. He was like, oh, 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 oh. He, he he spoke eloquently, articulately, intelligently. But they kept saying, and this is interesting, he talked funny. That That's mentioned a couple times like that. It's mentioned the way you said it, and it's also mentioned he talked funny. But what's talking funny, though? Speaking properly? Yeah. Enunciating? Yeah. Articulation? Yeah. Intelligence? Well, as you as you watch the documentary, and uh, this is what's what's very this this is telling in uh, a, a different way, a different way of storytelling and seeing something that I f- I found interesting. Since we're right here, even though this is going to be uh, brought up, uh, I'm sure later as we talk about this, as you see Obama's friends, classmates, they all look, talk, and, and I don't want to say look. Let me rephrase that. They all dress, speak. Uh, mannerisms are similar to Obama's. There is, you know, culturally, I I think that television and uh, the way marketing has happened, that you, we, black people are tend to, white America tends to look at black America as one uh, monolith culture. And it's not, but what happens, and is 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 when we watch this video or watch the the this documentary, I think black people tend to look at each other in one group also. At yes, and and start pushing the ones that don't feel as comfortable because they it's challenging. The one black guy said, "There's always been a thing within the black community, uh, as far as what is being black in America. What exactly is being." Black in America. And, and when I've posted things about this, I've had a lot of black people say, you know, it irritates me when a black person speaks correctly and other black people go, man, you sound white. You talking white. What's talking white? Speaking properly? That is the most ghetto thinking that you could ever have because somebody enunciates and articulates the right way. That's sounding white. No, that's sounding correct. 
I agree with that. I don't speak properly though. So, uh, well, nigga, we, we know everyone knows, <laughs> but I, but I understand it. And I wish I could, I wish that I had a better diction. I wish that I spoke in a more, uh, fluent, fluid and correct manner. I really do, but that's a different issue, but let, let's get back then to this. And I, I'm going to go, I want to go completely off your notes. Cause I, I took a few notes, but here's the thing. I knew that you were going to be on top of every second of this. <laughs> <laughs> nigga, I have a, th- a fucking uh, phone book worth of shit. That's why I said to you, man, we got to do this in two parts because I know on certain notes alone, we can do 45 minutes. I'm telling you, the the, the Eric Dyson fucking uh, Cornell West. Fucking, Cornel West, it really pissed me off. But let's 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 yeah going. let's let's stay stay let's stay in your uh, in in your I, I want to work through it because I did <sighs> enjoy this. I'm going to tell you something that you might uh, think is is odd because you said that you saw his some of his mistakes when when right. you, I actually saw some of his successes that I missed. Okay, so it's going to be interesting as we have as we have this conversation. But I felt this was. I was in. It was very interesting to me. I got to say this. I'm sorry. It's interesting to me that you saw his mis- some of his mistakes, and I saw some of his successes that I missed. And I felt like this was made to. I thought this was made one sided to show us his greatness. I really did. And when you said you saw some of his mistakes, this is more interesting to me now. So let's let's roll. Well, what I loved about it was that they went in order. It's like I said, yeah. part one was his childhood up to, and I love the way they ended the first one because it was like when I watched the Tiger documentary before I knew it was a two-parter, they ended it where I went, no! I wanted the second fucking episode! When 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 David Axelrod says to him, uh, when Obama told David Axelrod, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I, I, I think I might give a go at this president thing. And he goes, at that moment, I felt for Obama, and I told him, man, I feel for you. Not because you're not going to win, but because not because you're going to lose, but because you're going to win. Yeah. Cut the black screen. End of episode part one. And I went no. And of course, part two is him, the journey of the the, the campaign, actually winning, giving the 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 speech on the the, the congratulatory speech, uh, the victory speech, and then part three is his from that moment till he's finished. Um, and, you know, you and I always talk about having the conversation. And when the conversations are had, it opens up a chain. It opens up a chance for change and possibilities. When Obama spoke to Axelrod about being in Iowa, a very white, yes, must win, but yes. almost impossible state. Uh, Iowa's the state, right? Not the city. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm on point. Um, Listen, we're talking about Obama, nigga. I got my I got my 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 best Sunday clothes on. That's a tuxedo you're wearing. Yes. Um, and he told and he told Axelrod it went well. And Axelrod was surprised and told Obama, a black man from the south side of Chicago and Iowa, he thought it would be tougher. Obama then basically told them about his grandfather and how he fought in Patton's army. Moral of the story, relating to people on a human level breaks the racial ice. If people are willing to listen and the other side is willing uh, to talk as corny as it sounds, if if the other side is willing to listen while the other side talks, as corny as it sounds, 
it makes a difference. It makes a fucking difference. And we've said on this podcast so many times when black people try to talk, white people refuse to listen. But if the white people that are willing to listen, listen, things can be said and be had where you go, it ain't about race. On a human level, I can identify with this guy. I can relate. Well, on a human level, that's that's the goal. That should always but, be the goal. But before you finish, let me just say this. I remember, uh, I think when Hillary was running, at one point they refer- they referenced and pointed to Obama's uncle, the yeah. old white yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember the black guy said a lot of the black people around him laughed and said, huh, we see what he's doing. If, I wish we all had a white old uncle we could bring to every job interview because right. that would get us the job. So maybe for that, Obama was being strategic. But as far as his story, the grandfather in the Patton Army, having a white grandmother, having a white mother, he didn't make that up. That's his life. And, mm-hmm. if, and, if, and if that's what it was for, for white Americans in Iowa and Iowa and everywhere else to identify him with, Kudos to him. Well, you, I, I don't, I, I feel like we're jumping ahead because I really want to go back to his birth. But, but before we do that, I want to address what you just said. Like you said, he didn't make this up and this isn't just, and you said kudos to him, but this isn't just kudos. This is, this was his life. And this is, and this, this is what I, it's funny to me. This is a true American story because we're all here and we're all part of what this experiment is. And we're not everyone is mixed, but we're all pretty mixed in this country. And if you and if you're here long enough and you're not mixed, your family eventually down the road's gonna be mixed. And that's his story, and that's what this was supposed to be: a story of immigrants coming here. And and I know people are already t- tuning me off and ah, oh, this is bull. That's the goal. I didn't say that was the accomplishment of this country. That was that is the goal. And if it wasn't the goal when they started, it is the goal today. Because that's who we are. And and I hate to say this because I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, put us to animals. You know, they always talk about people go out and get their pedigree dogs and the dogs that are this and they're the, this the, this kind of dog and this kind of dog and they have these shows and all these who's the best dog though? It's the mutt it's 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 the com- I feel I feel like Bill Murray because he did the he did this kind of speech I think in stripes the mutt is the loyal dog it's the one that it, it, it's the stronger the healthier the that's who we are as a country of immigrants this is who we are and this is what makes us strong and this is what makes a bond where you, we see a black man going to Iowa that you just talked about but he's not a black man going to Iowa he's a man going to Iowa who happens to be black. I'm a white dude. I go to a lot of different places with you and I don't feel like I have to walk in as the white dude. I'm a guy who happens to be white at these, at at the places that we go. And I know that's a big challenge, but isn't that, isn't that what we're supposed to be? Aren't we supposed to be the humans first? Yes. Again, yes. And in all, in, in terms of technically and in theory, you are right. But isn't that what he accomplished in Iowa that day? Yes. And that's what I'm saying. But but but, but that's 
so many times not the norm. It isn't. It's the, almost like this nigga was a leprechaun. Like, like he was a magical nigga that did what a lot of other niggas couldn't do. Can you dunk? Me personally? Yeah. Can you dunk? A donut, nigga. No, can you dunk? You can't dunk a basketball? Nah. Does that make your desire any less to be like Mike? Of course not. There we go. He's a magical leprechaun, as you just call him. But that should be our desire as all humans to be able to be perceived as who we are, not what we what people see or interpret us. I think he when I have respect for this man, I have respect for him, not as the president, not as a black man, not as I have respect for him as a human as a man, he's he's that part of him is the most amazing to me. And it really watching this really solidified that for me of what I was impressed by him about. And this, that's, you know, go ahead. And, and to that note, this is what, what I'm like to become the president of the United States, especially as a black man up until his success, him accomplishing that. Everybody else has failed. Now, again, let's be realistic. We know race probably played the biggest factor in that. But it but enabled to take but but to be able to take all those past failures and figure it all out and go, how do I put all these pieces together to win this? Like the guy when the guy goes, when when Obama at the 2004 speech says, there's not a black America or a white America. You know, it's just one America. We all this and this under the same flag, Republicans and Democrats. And they cut to the black guy and he goes, you know, that part where Obama says there's not a black America or a white America, just the United States of America. Uh, He goes, but that's not true. There is a black America and a white America and a Latino America and a gay America and a poor America. And my thinking was, yes, we understand that, but he still has to be a politician. He still has to get the job done and saying the truth in regard to pointing out our divisions. How does that help him? That's what he's not supposed to do. But if he were to be honest and go, nah, there's a there's a division in terms of culture, sex, uh, economics. That's not helping his strategy to win it to like all politicians to a degree. He's got to say things that we know might not be 100% accurate, that make us feel good and make us go, yeah, that's how it should be, even though it's really never, ever been that. It's it's never been that. But to his point, and if you want to be literal about it, and, and I'll be literal about it, we can have everybody make the faces of me now. If, if I pointed, if I gave you the map of the world or if I gave you a globe, I'd say, show me where black America is. It's not on there. And when you're speaking in that in that tone of what he was speaking, he's not looking at black America, white America, Mexican American, uh, uh, Latin America, gay America. He was looking at America because overall. The representation of America, when, when we went to the Olympic, when you go to the Olympics. You're not you're not representing black America, you're not representing white America, you're representing America. Because it's the it's the first part. Now, as we break that down, and this is where I'm, I'm going to say this is this is what's funny. And we've had this conversation about teams and baseball teams or football teams or basketball teams and who the, the people on the team play against each other. 
and the games get tough. They get struggle. They struggle, whatever. There's heats. There's anger. But after the game, they're all basketball players. They go and they go where. But the, the, the cities, they stay in the stands. They get in fights with each other after the games. The players might all go out to dinner. We're, we're very tribal in the way that we fight with each other. And then when someone attacks America, we all become one again. And then as soon as we don't have a problem, we all go back to our little, our little groups fighting with each other and not playing on the same team again. The work and, and the reason I like, I really, when I listen to him, I understand exactly what he's saying. And when someone says there isn't a black, there is a black America there. I get that there is, but the goal is to find the one America and that it's we're 200. You say you say on our podcast that we're still a young podcast. And I always laugh a little bit about it because I'm like, now nah, we're, we're, we're getting older. We're one of the youngest countries and we did something that no one's ever done before like we've done it. And and it's unfortunate. To rise to the level of power this country has and not rectify the problems that it, it, it created on the way. I want more people like Obama. I want people who can see us as that and work towards it. One of the things that I I, I want to say, and, I, and then I'll get off this and you can go, we'll be, go back to Obama. I see presidents now, and, and when I watch this, what I saw about Obama is he had a clear-cut idea of what the America that he was working for. Even though, and they didn't, and this is something that's missed in this uh, documentary because it's about Obama, even though he took over America at one of the worst possible times in its history. And they, 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 they stay away from that. That bothered me about this documentary. Um, he takes over at this time, but he has a clear definition in, of what America is supposed to be and how we're supposed to work to get there. I see people just struggling as presidents just to get through the business of today without working to what tomorrow is supposed to be, the future of this country is supposed to be. I want more of that who sees it for what it's, what the creation was. Don't question who was right or who was wrong. I understand what the creation is supposed to be. And I understand what we need to work towards. We, we can, we can sort out all the wrong as we, as we continue to move forward, but we have to move forward. And we're sitting and when we just sit in stagnant water, not moving forward is where I see the problem. And that's what I saw him not do. He didn't sit in stagnant water. He kept moving forward. And I really appreciate him more as a president than I ever did after I saw this. Please go. But, but, when, you, but when you say, and you use the, Olymp- the Olympics as an example, it always seems to be the case that when it comes down to competition and it's us versus the world, then all of a sudden, like Joe Lewis against Max Schmeling, fighting this German America. Now we're at one. This is our guy fighting for us. When it's the Olympics, it's us versus the rest of the world. America comes together and that's our guy. Whether it's, whether it was Muhammad Ali going for the medal, whether it was John Carlos and, 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 uh, Tommy, the, 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 the Olympians, the three brothers with who raised the, the fists with the gloves but when we come home, we go back to being a divided America. A they love to keep. They love to be America. We are we are one when it's us versus them. But the reality is, when Jesse Owens gets home, 
when 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 Tommy Smith and John Carlos gets home, when Ali gets home, can't even eat at a restaurant without being told to go in your section. I, I, so so you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly on everything you just said. Now here's my question, and this is what I'm talking about: stagnant waters. This is where Obama. I never saw this in in, in it before. You're you're right in everything you just said. Jesse Owens, great example. Uh, Hank Aaron, great. Hank Aaron, I I, I like Hank Aaron only also uh, because it's supposed to be, it's closer to a time that we can touch Hank Aaron, who was getting death threats because he was going to make break Beirut's record, who couldn't even enjoy the celebration when he hit that home run because he had he he was afraid he was going to be murdered after he hit that ball, and then he has people running up to him, excited. For him, and he was—he probably thought that was someone who could have come over to kill him. That's—that was his moment that people don't recognize. I can't fix that for Hank Aaron. You can't fix that for Hank Aaron, but we can fix the future for our children if we move forward and don't sit in the stagnant waters. Now, do I say forget that? No, never ever forget that. But if while we were remembering it and we want to fix it. We have to fix it, and we can take care. We we can do whatever we can. We can't rewrite it. We can't change it. We need to recognize who we are. And when you talk about, and when I talk about tribalism, there is no greater tribe in this country. And it's funny, um, God, I do have some notes on this, but white is is the biggest tribe, and they, like you just said, when it's us against the world, we're all in it together. Whether it's the Olympics, whether it's a war, we're in it together. And then when we come home. Yeah, thanks for serving, but you can't sit at the table in here. Uh, this is a white room. I understand the history. And and as you have said many times, the change has come way too slow. But what do you do about that? And that was what inspired me so much about Obama. He wasn't going to get caught in the what are we going to do about it of the past. I'm going to remember the past, and that past is going to formulate my goal for the future. That's a whole different mentality. That's a different way to think about things. I, 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 and and let me and, and let me go back to the beginning when I said I, I want to talk about her mom. There's people out there that don't give a fuck about what color you are, where you came from, your status, your his mom, his mom. Met, uh, met, uh, met his dad and there, there was no issues there. Now, when you get back to it though, and then you hear about the family and Obama's talking about how he's heard uh, derogatory uh, uh, conversations about people of other races and, and, and which would include him. It's there, but people have to change and there's always going to be people leading the change. Do we, how do we uplift those people so that we don't ruin the future. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> when Obama decided to announce his candidacy, they cut to Al Sharpton saying that Lincoln, and I've made this point a gazillion times, that Lincoln did not free the slaves, abolitionists freed the slaves, and he went on to say, we have to stop giving the wrong people credit for our history. He felt that Obama should have announced his candidacy at the Black Caucus, and as opposed to where, I forget where exactly he did announce it. In Springfield. As a, in Springfield. Uh, and Professor Cornell West reiterated 
that I've always said Obama couldn't just appeal solely to black people, even though over 90 percent of us voted for him in order to become president. He needed white votes, so he had to walk a tightrope. He had to be strategic. And I've said that before. And black people want to give him shit because they felt he wasn't black enough or he didn't cater enough to black people. But again, he has to walk a tightrope and he has to cater to all people. That's called being presidential. Yeah. And had he not done that, then it makes it harder for the next black man to potentially become president. I don't understand why certain people within the black community don't have the ability to see the fucking bigger picture. You want this nigga to be militant. You want him to be black enough to do this and to do that. But you have to understand. This is the first. And I said this on that rant on that particular episode. And, and I forget who said it, but somebody said it exactly damn me verbatim. Like I said it in this documentary. When I go to be the first of anything is hard. To be the first black president is tremendously hard. And I called him the Jackie Robinson of presidents. He was the first. You know how much shit he has to endure? And it's like, what do we want? Black community, what what do we want? Do we want a one and done? Because if, if all we want is to be able to go, yeah, we had one and we never had another one. Okay, as great as the victory is and the fact that historically we had the one, it's more of an impact if we have 15, 15 black guys or more. And, and, if, and if we don't pay attention to what's the bigger picture, then we're doing a disservice to ourselves. There's no way he could have been everything that we wanted him to be as the first. If there's a fifth one, if there's a sixth one, if there's a 15th, then we can step back and go, Yo, we've had 15 black men as president and we've made no progress as far as that goes. Not, not the fact that we've made progress in the fact that we've had multiple black presidents, but in terms of the change, what it got us, what we were able to do, it stayed stagnant. Then that's a bigger issue. But you can't expect. And I think somebody even quoted, what did you want him to do? Stroke away 400 years of oppression and all that we've been through the 60s through the stroke of a pen in one in two terms. That's just not realistic. Well, before we and this is why I wish they would have addressed this. He didn't really even have two terms. If you really think about it this way, he was elected for two terms, but he came into one of the worst economies ever. And he had to re-anchor or re however you want to look at what was happening to the United States, the economy uh, that was during the crash. And he had, a, he had a re, he had put America back on a path. And that was a major part. That was such an accomplishment. And that beat up so much of his time. I mean, it, it's amazing what he got done. It's amazing what he got done. Uh, and I'm going to, and you'll, you'll eventually get to it. There's a part where I, I held something against him that I, I do not anymore, but keep going, man. No, I, I, I just, I just wish, and, and this is the part where I go, we already knew certain aspects of white America was going to be hard on them. Certainly the Republican Party, which again, like I said, fought him to, and they, and they quoted it. 
I always get these guys fucked up. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. McConnell or McCullough? McConnell. The old white dude that looked like uh, looked Colonel like, Sanders. He looked like he'd live next to Dennis, Dennis the Menace. That's the one. I, there you go. Yeah. Um, he made a point to say, we are. it's our mission to make sure this president fails. And if you think that that had nothing to do with race, you should run in front of a bus going max speed. So this is what he was up against. That's why I don't understand black people who throw him under the bus. This nigga was was with the target was on his back from jump and it was racial. See, how could you not support this man knowing his fucking hands was tied behind his back? And that was their objective. And again, if we talking long term, if we talking bigger picture, we want to be able to eight, nine generations from now, look in the history books and go, we've had 30 black presidents. But that doesn't happen if Obama is not strategic. No, it won't happen. If, if, if he if he wasn't the president, he he was. Yeah, you're right. It's not it wouldn't happen that way. But. He's exceptional in this, not in not in this documentary, in, in life and in, in what he he did. And I, and I like that he he didn't jump into life this way. Like he took his, like he, he went to, he, he didn't go to law school right away. He tried to figure out what it is he wanted to do. I like that there was a maturity level and he saw this. He was able to take time out to look at what this, how to work this world. He did it. It wasn't, it wasn't from a a family of multiple presidents. Uh, there, there's there's some there's something here that I haven't. It's literally I, I, from the ground up. I I haven't even I haven't begun to unwrap all of this yet. Uh, what you did say though, it was all race. It's a hundred percent race. Ra- did you say hundred percent racial? Or did you just? They said it. In, someone said it in the documentary. Even the black lady, the light skinned black lady with the gr- with the glasses. That's why I loved part two because it really dealt with the race factor. And she goes, it was about race. Okay, this is where this is where you're going to get a chance to yell at me. I'm going to go with 75 percent about race. I won't say 100. I, let me let me let me scale back on that. I know it wasn't all about race, but a good portion of it was. Yeah, I agree with it. And I, I, I like my number 70, 75. I always do like that number, uh, whether it's intentional or unintentional. I think that number hits it. But there was the, some of it was to. Because they didn't want to have anything to do with this spend that he was going to do, and I, I got to be honest, when when he was when it was happening, I was nervous about this. I wasn't for it for that kind of a that kind of a bailout. But I never thought about something that was brought up in this documentary when they said the other option was to let the banking industry fold, and then figure it out from there because uh, the banks deserved to fold; they didn't deserve a bailout. And we would have to restructure our economy and it would have changed the way a lot of things happen. But he couldn't be like the, like you just said, the first. Dyson said that. Yeah. He couldn't Dyson be. Dyson said, can you imagine yeah. if he let the banks fail? This black man, this nigga, let the banks fail. This is what he was up against. Yeah. That's why I'm saying his first term, he had to deal with all of this. When, and, when, and going back to the racial aspect of this, I think that a lot of Republicans, whether they're whether you want to put race, whether you put race into it or not, 
I think they would have walked away from this because they expected it to fail and they didn't want this on their hands. And this is the other thing. This is what's so shady about politics in this country. They knew that they had enough Democrats to get it done without them. So if it fails, nothing's on their hands. If they win, if it works, they ain't getting bad. They ain't getting winning the second term. He's getting a second term anyway. That was part of it. And that's such a shady fucking way of politicking because it saves your job, but you're jeopardizing the country. Right. That is, and, and that that's that's the bigger part of the problem for me. And that's, there's another tribe there, Republicans and Democrats. I mean, continue to break this down. As we go through this, we can continue to break this down into tribes and see everybody working against each other. And this is what's fucked up about this country. Well, here's where you rub your palms together. Because uh, they was like, you know, John Lewis, a lot of people in the black community, uh, were more for Clinton, Hillary, and because of Bill's past success with the country. And, you know, black people, again, the joke was he was the first black president, Bill Clinton, because this nigga uh, fucked bitches and played saxophone and was cool. He was really the first nigga. And what's killing me is I'm going, and I thought about you the whole time. I'm going, so black people had this deep love for the Clintons, Bill He's the first black president, jokingly. Hillary, John Lewis is with her. And I'm thinking somebody as intelligent as John Lewis and some other black important people, intelligent on an intelligent level, that supported the Clintons. Did niggas just not know about the fact that the Clintons put more black people in jail than anybody? Did they not know this? How, if you know this, are you that deep in their fucking love fest for the Clintons. Okay, well, Bill Clinton had a great relationship uh, with the Black Caucus. That's part of it. Um, Bill had a different way. Bill was Bill's a great politician. He's so great that I call him Bill. You know, I, I he, not even William. He's Bill. He. Was so but during this, but but during all of that, did the thing exist about yes, but more yeah, black- yes, and they knew about it, and, and you know the numbers had had come, but there was a lot of other people's hands were involved in this, and then Hillary, you know, she address she did address it during that time period, and that it was a mistake in the way that it was written, and it wasn't all they 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 moved it away so it wasn't all on her, you know, a lot of it's on Joe Biden too, and it's funny how we we do this. Um, but a lot of that that bill, you heard Joe. They they, they keep the Dem- uh, Republicans keep playing the part about uh, Biden saying about you have this much. There's the, you go to jail five years. I'm protected. My grandma. I mean, this it, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically that's what his his thing is right now that they keep running on him. Um, yeah, it was out there, but the relationship was established. Whether uh, the relationship was completely honorable. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much of it. You know, I, I have a problem with the Clintons for a lot of other reasons. Uh, and, and it's just because they talked out. There's a lot that I don't I don't like about them, but. I, I don't want to waste Obama on on the Clintons. No, 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 no. But this is but this is a big deal to me because here's what I'm getting to. And I don't know this for fact, but I'm I'm, I'm assuming 
if people like John Lewis and important, intelligent civil rights fighters knew this, and this is out there, and you're still supporting them, even to the point where you have to decide, hmm, do I support Hillary or do I support the potential history-making first black president and what that means? Well, then you know what? Shame on us because I don't know if that's just slave loyalty, but if you know that and you still are having to decide who you're supporting, then we, we, we do this shit to ourselves. Well, I, I don't think that you can't hang a whole, the whole presidency on that one, on the one bill on, 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 let me rephrase that. You can't hang the support that John Lewis would have for the Clintons based on that one bill that didn't work out the way that a lot of people thought it would work out. A lot of people weren't expecting that to happen from the bill. It was obvious that it was going to happen when you look at how it was, how justice is served in this country, but that wasn't what it was looked at. And they did have a relationship with the Clintons that was positive and, and yielded some uh, results. So that's part of how you have to look at it. Um, and then let's go, let me use Obama to figure some of this out then too. As a politician, you don't always get to do things exactly the way you want to. That's why it's called politicking. And you just said to, you have to put, you have to do things to get reelected, to be put in place, uh, to be, to stay in office. Uh, none of those bankers. And this is we're, now we're talking Obama's in office, the crash that happened to our economy, the bankers responsible for this. Not one went to jail. Obama, that's on Obama. But it's also a politician. There's power in the in that industry. There's still money in that industry. Why didn't he put them in jail? In politics, you have to there, there's certain you make decisions based on what's best overall, not what's best for what for what you know is right. And it's it, that's that's the thing I can't understand. I know that it's done that way, and I don't understand it completely. But you can't say that I can't look at the. And this is the one. This is this is one of the biggest things that I have with Obama. Not one banker went to jail. Uh, but why? You know, he he's not going to say why. But there's reasons why uh, this bill came up. Uh, for Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton was putting money back into the police departments. There's a lot of issues as you go back and you think, okay, that made sense at that time. They thought that made sense. And now this is what happened. That's a little even different. That's a little, that's even different more so than the Obama thing, but there is things that are so complicated with politics that I, I can't articulate it the way that I would like to. All I under, all I understand is he did what was best for the country. I, I think Obama always tried to do what was best for the country. And at that time, that was what it was. At the time, I think the Clintons thought that that was what it, what, what it was, but they've never taken responsibility for that. That's my problem with the Clintons. Uh, I would like to see Obama. I would love someone to ask Obama this question, though, and, and why these why these bankers didn't, why the Justice Department didn't go after these people and why they weren't do put you, in jail. Do you have your own theory as to why? 
It's the money. It has to be the money. It has to be the money and the power that goes along with it. Because let, let's let's be really honest. The the president, we always say the most powerful position in the world. It's not. It's not. It, 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 the money controls this world, and the money makes the final decisions. We we man. They're, they're like a good manager. The the pre- presidents. They're like good baseball managers, but they're not the owner of the team. They might be. Managers, they might be the uh, uh, whatever the the, G, uh, the general manager, whatever they whatever you have that forms your team, but they're not the owners. The money owns this this world, and that that's the bottom line. So we we play to the money. All right, we're at fifty five minutes. Let's leave it there, because uh, part two, I'm coming in hot. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get on part two. Because then we'd bleed over an hour. Uh, so like like the documentary, let's leave part one having the audience going, oh, fuck. Yeah. Because part two, I'm coming in hot, yo. I may have to dart back into part one to grab some pieces as we go into please, part two. You please, you okay. please, please. I just want to, I didn't want to, believe me, I, I'm, I'm fighting it, wanting to continue. But we're at 56 minutes and then we got to do the music. So that'll clean us up for the hour. Okay. But. I want to save. I didn't want to get started and stop. No, no, I don't want you to either because I I can feel your passion coming with part two. Okay. And and, and Cornell West is is a key part of part two. And he's one of my favorite characters uh, in life. Yeah. And to me, he's a little. I don't want to question his authenticity, but certain shit feels shady to me. He's eccentric. That's why he's he is a little different, man. All right. Coming up, musical guest. Uh. This is Eric Camacho, Permanent Scars, produced by Solomon Music. Social media, Solomon, S-O-L-M-O-N, underscore M-U-S-I-Q. All music platforms, Solomon Music. New single, uh, new music every single week. 2021 uh, song is called Permanent Scars. Enjoy. Please see y'all next Wednesday. Uh, for part two of this continuation and we'll finish it out. Uh, anything you want to add? No, nah, man, I'm ready. Okay. Um, Spearsburg pod, Instagram, Spearsburg pod, uh, YouTube, Spearsburg pod. Yeah. Get on that Facebook. YouTube. You guys get on the YouTube. Check yeah, out. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Uh, Spearsburg pod, Patreon. Uh, of course, uh, hit up Andy for any of the $10 out of money. T-shirts, um, ba, 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 and I, I, I think that's it. Yeah, do, uh, do we need to announce where we're going to be? Uh, yeah, we're going to be in uh, where are Chicago we? Chicago after this? No, right? we're, we're no. in Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay, so when they hear this, we're yes, in Buffalo. this weekend we're in Buffalo. Yep, we're in Buffalo. Um, we're at Helium in Buffalo, and then the following week we're going to be in uh, Schaumburg. Did I say that right? Schaumburg, Illinois, which is Chicago. Yes. Chicago in a in a roundabout. Sweet kind of home, way. Chicago. Dude, there's a place we definitely gonna go to uh, from diners, drive-ins, and dives. Uh, we we gonna go. You, this is I, this this the <laughs> shit there looks so bananas. It's an Italian uh, restaurant. They right. they got a they got a they got a a, a fried um, veal veal steak with the bone in. Underneath is some some red pasta. Oh shit. Uh, oh, you don't you don't you don't have to convince me for Italian. We're good. Okay. All right. Uh, no niggas in here. <laughs>
That's why we tell you guys to listen from the beginning <laughs> so you know what that means. From the stars, no sight, going through the certain things that we have in life. And those are the things, those moments are what mold you into the person that you are. Back at the Barnes Park, little brother stayed on point when I'm tagging down my wall. My mom done whooped my ass, not because I ran from the law, because I taught Zach wrong. I guess I should have known better. I was 13, I was busting with the old letters. Mom used to hate it, I gotta admit shit. That's what we're my patience. Had a craft that art. Fast forward, now my canvas are on. Wonder how she feel now, knowing that I'm tatting up everybody in the hood. Permanent scores, too many RIPs, but somehow it makes them at peace to put them on a sleep. Every teardrop scene is the pain you can see that they're missing a piece. I'm proud I could do that. Visual memory for life, I could do that. Let the whole world see that shit. And as long as you're alive, they will never forget. Slice gonna test you, permanent scars. You know what I mean? But no matter what, you gotta keep it going. I quit that old job, now my boss called me back. Said a dollar raise, but I'm happy where I'm at. Finding my purpose, man, I do it every night. Bank account low, but I'm rhyming full time. Trust me, I thought about it. Cousin called me up from a 20, I ain't got it. I used to bless strangers with a hundred cash app Came from the struggle so I had to give back Hundred dollar tip for the cafe Hundred dollar tip for the valet Never gave my name Cause I don't care about the fame You're scrounging for change but I've been through the pain Stacking all my coins in a glass jar Take it to the Walmart coin store Take your party pass at the 7-6 But my 99 cents be stick You don't know about that shit Nah Man I came from the pits You don't know about that shit Nope I've been through this shit Lived in this shit, bitch.